Long ago, I fell victim to every trap of the fat loss industry. I let coaches prey on my insecurity and lack of knowledge. I was led to fear carbs, exercise obsessively, fast, and take every supplement under the sun. And all I got for it was bodybuilding trophies and depression. That's why I built Musclebound Mama, to prevent women from falling into the same traps I did. I'm Sophie Smith Dore, and I help women change their relationship with food for life. No gimmicks, no shame, just metabolic science and love. In this podcast, we call out the food demonization and fat shaming of the weight loss industry. We discuss how social conditioning and outdated nutrition science have groomed women to struggle with body image and nutritional competence. We love carbs, we love our bodies, and we won't be told otherwise. We eat the fucking cake. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Muscle Bound Mama Eat the Fucking Cake podcast. Today we're talking about food freedom. Who doesn't want that? So here's some things that I hear on a daily basis. I have no self-control. I have no willpower. I can't have any sugar or I won't be able to stop. I can't keep ice cream in my house. Have you thought these things? Honestly, this is so many people, but very few say it out loud. Something you might not know is that these things actually have very little to do with food. These are not facts. They're beliefs. And I'll tell you a secret about beliefs. They are optional. Freedom is learning to be with whatever is. Controlling our environment is not freedom. And yet this is our default mode when things aren't going well. That's it. No more of X. Starting tomorrow, I'm done with X. Sound familiar? And it really does sound logical to rally by regaining control. And in truth, the issue isn't really in regrouping, but rather in the way we do that and the reason we feel it's uncomfortable in the first place. I mean, we all have these expectations of our environment, don't we? We expect that if I do this, this, and that, I can predict that my day will unfold in exactly this way. <laughs> in most days, that's how things unfold, and there really isn't anything eventful that takes place. We feel accomplished, in control, and like we have our shit together. But the problem lies in the situations where things don't go according to plan. Like now, COVID, working from home, with kids, sharing office time. We feel like we're holding up our end of the bargain by doing all of this. And we expect the day to just go the way we imagined it. But then it doesn't. Maybe one of the kids woke up with a fever and you can't send them to school or daycare. And that means you can't work. Or... Maybe you learned during your shower that your hot water tank is finished and you're not able to finish your shower, which is super terrible because you're now covered in soap and shaving cream and have half shaved legs. <laughs> so what happens to our day then? For many of my clients, this is the catalyst to chaos. Depending on their bandwidth for change, their resilience, they'll experience these diversions from routine differently. 
Some will see this as a mild inconvenience and without much effort, come up with a plan that allows the day to unfold relatively smoothly, while others will crumble into tears and nosedive into the potato chips in the pantry. Now, obviously, there's lots of other options and plenty of other gray area here. But the first factor in our experiences that run outside of our expectation is our emotional agility. But that's a skill. And there's some underlying factors here at play, even before emotional agility comes to the table. When we expect that life should be good, we're rejecting the very real fact that things in life are impermanent. Nothing is permanent. Not your job, not your car, not your house, and certainly not your hot water heater. Life will always throw things at us. And should we only expect to be okay when things are okay? Obviously, the answer is no. We have to get good at rallying, or we're going to be in for a very anxiety-ridden 100 years, if we're lucky, on this spinning ball of chaos and sometimes joy. Here's the problem. We're all annoyed when things don't go as we planned, but many experience negative emotions toward themselves and not the situation. An emotionally agile person knows their value and that life is impermanent and doesn't respond to the water heater's death by bin diving at Bulk Barn. This person understands the shit happens and it has nothing to do with them. And even if it did, they aren't going to punish themselves and ruminate over their sins. They're going to say, well, fuck, and then move on. And I know that sounds easy when you hear me say it, but I do recognize that it is not. How do we learn to be okay with ourselves when life throws things at us that are not comfortable? Well, let's look first at the things we think when something happens. We label events immediately as good or hard, and this is judging. Think about something that happened recently that puts you in this place and try to remember your first thoughts. A common one that I hear from a lot of clients is an argument with a spouse. And it's a perfect example for this exercise. So let's break it down. When you have an argument with your partner, what's your initial reaction? Really, we have two options. We can think this is awful or this is an experience of X. If we choose to think this is awful, we're likely going to experience some really uncomfortable emotions. Probably some feelings of helplessness, frustration, anger, resentment, or even sadness and isolation because you feel unheard or unwanted or unloved. And we're going to get hooked on that emotion. When we get hooked there, we can feel our stress response increasing in our bodies. You might get hot, flutters in your stomach, you might shake, your breath might shorten, and you might feel tension in your jaw and shoulders. That's where I feel it. And this isn't new information to you, but what might be is this. When we're experiencing this, we are in fight or flight mode. And as someone with PTSD, I am fascinated by the way the brain responds to stress. And I hope that you'll indulge me for a minute while I get my geek on here. All of our sensory experiences take the same route. They first head to the thalamus, which acts as our brain's relay station. The thalamus then relays that information to the neocortex, which is the thinking brain. And from there, it's sent to the amygdala, which is known as the emotional brain. And this is where our emotional responses are built. So it goes experience 
to thalamus, the relay station, to neocortex, the thinking brain, and amygdala, the emotional brain. However, when faced with a threatening situation, the thalamus sends that sensory information to both the amygdala and the neocortex. And if the amygdala senses danger, it triggers that fight or flight response before the neocortex even has time to overrule it. So this triggers the release of stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol. These hormones prepare your body to flee or fight by increasing your heart rate, elevating your blood pressure, boosting your energy levels, among other things. And those are the things that you felt when you feel that stress coming on. And I'm sure you don't have to think very hard to recall a time where you experienced these very real physical symptoms of stress. It could have been this morning while trying to feed your children. (laughs) And for those of us with PTSD, there's an even greater amygdala activation and therefore increased emotional responding or fear and anxiety responses. But even if you don't have a PTSD diagnosis, chronic stress can lead to an overactive fear and anxiety circuit in your brain. This means that chronic stress can trigger more frequent amygdala hijacks, which is why it is so important to work on the understanding and taking charge of your emotional reactions. And I know, easier said than done, but let's look at the alternative. If we instead choose to think this is an experience of miscommunication, we're likely to approach it with curiosity rather than judgment. Rather than the amygdala interpreting this as danger, the neocortex has a chance to step up and say, hey, this is workable. Let's get curious. We need to create distance from the intensity of the feeling so we can make room for acceptance because logical decisions can't be made when we feel threatened. Whoa, did you hear that? I'll say it again in case you weren't listening, but I know you were because you love listening to me. We need to create distance from the intensity of the feelings so we can make room for acceptance because logical decisions can't be made when we feel threatened. So when you feel all of the things and you're in reaction mode, you cannot be logical. It's not because you're broken or weak or that you can't stop that runaway train. It's because your flight fight response is triggered. How does it feel to hear that? I know the first time I heard it years ago felt like a huge weight was lifted from my shoulders. I was so sure I was broken and beyond repair that I was going to just binge every time shit hit the fan. And because shit hit the fan a lot, that meant I was going to be overweight forever because I clearly had no control in these situations. All that shame I called tough love was shoved down my own throat And it was never going to work because there wasn't something wrong with me and there isn't something wrong with you. The thing is, we need techniques, but food is not a technique or a skill. (laughs) Our brains love routine and thrive on them. And in fact, the things you do often are literally hardwired into your brain because our brains are designed for energy preservation. So what you continually do, your brain hardwires so that it requires no conscious effort on your, th- on your part, like eating when you're feeling intense emotions. So in order to move away from this pattern, we have to separate emotion from eating. Feelings, like all things, are impermanent. They're part of the human experience, and suppressing them is refusing to accept our humanity. 
When we restrict and judge our feelings, we're punishing ourselves for our humanity. Friends, this is not okay. And many of us were raised not to express our emotions and even to not feel. An emotion is often seen as weakness, particularly for boys. For women, it tells a story of our emotional imbalance. So we judge ourselves for our feelings and we avoid them. We fix them with food. The emotions we experience are based on thoughts we're having. There's nothing wrong with thoughts. They're just words in your head. But the emotions we attach to them is the issue. Thoughts come and then they go. You have to decide how to manage them. You might, like many, reach for food in these times. I know I did. Using food to move us into a different reality. The reality we are in is the one we created with the thoughts we're having. So what it comes down to is developing a process of understanding how our thoughts are created and how we relate to them. Thoughts are not directives. We don't have to believe them. They're just words. They aren't the ultimate truth. When we recognize the thoughts, we can relate to them differently. Here's something really important to know. Stress is actually a cue that something is important, not that it's bad and needs to be ended or fixed. So when we see stress as bad and needs to be ended, we move towards something to stop that stress. That means if we relate to stress differently, we can have a different experience, right? Stress doesn't just come from out of nowhere either. How do you feel it? I feel it in my jaw first. I find myself clenching my jaw and my jaw and my neck begin to feel tight. And then I notice my chest feels heavy and it's impossible to take a deep breath. This has actually been me all morning. (laughs) My breath gets shallow and I'm yawning more frequently because my brain is trying to get oxygen. It knows that things are getting hot up in here. And like the incredible machine that it is, it's trying to downshift or deregulate for me because I'm obviously not doing that on my own. Is your experience similar? The thing is, our bodies feel our stress and show us. We have to get good at paying attention because we know that stress accumulates. And the more it does, the more likely we're going to have an amygdala hijack and send ourselves straight to fight or flight mode and then straight into the pantry. So how do we break that link? Understand that thoughts and feelings are not facts and thoughts produce feelings. When we feel discomfort, we label it. We reject it, which sets us up for failure. Don't push away discomfort. Feel it. Accept it. If you feel threatened, you will react and not respond. Shoving food in our faces isn't taking care of ourselves. We think we're trying to protect ourselves from something terrible when when we do that, but we don't need to protect ourselves because these are thoughts and not dangerous, real, tangible animals that are going to lunge at us. Fine, Sophie. So now I realize I lose my shit and bin dive when things are tough. Now what? (laughs) Well, since we know that when we react, we are in fight or flight mode, The key is not getting there. That means not allowing stress to accumulate, listening to the cues your body is sending you, and being curious about your discomfort. So do this. First, name it. When you've been triggered, 
and identify what's triggering you. Notice changes in your tone, your tightness in your chest or stomach, clenching your jaw or hands. In these moments, you can say to yourself, okay, something's happening right now. Pay attention. Then wait. It takes the chemicals that are released during the amygdala hijack about six seconds to dissipate. So using this time to focus on something pleasant will prevent your amygdala from taking control and causing that emotional reaction. So think puppies or kittens or videos of your kids when they're not being assholes. (laughs) All are reasonable choices. Breathe. Become aware of your breath and slow it down. This is what I've had to do all morning. When you slow your breath down, you're breathing can become rhythmic and you activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest response. This will get you out of that fight or flight response mode that causes us so much trouble. Take a deep breath. Ready? I needed that. I feel like I haven't breathed for this entire recording. (laughs) And then draw on mindfulness. Look around you and notice things in your environment. And this will help you to move out of your head and back into the present. So right now I'm looking at my office window and I see birds flying and pooping over the field. I see my lilac slowly blooming on my tree. And this doesn't have to be all sunshine and rainbows either. You can notice the dirty squirrel digging in your garden, although don't let it stress you out. The point is distraction. Now, lastly, coming back to values in moments of intense emotion will help you decide how to respond. So when you have that argument with your partner, think about your values. If you value connection, you can focus more on understanding and communicating rather than being defensive and argumentative or just plain pissed off. I think the bottom line here is this. Thoughts produce feelings and feelings produce behaviors. This is the foundation of cognitive behavioral work. When we see our feelings as products of thoughts, We can control our thoughts and then our behavior. It takes effort. I'm not going to lie, like all skills. But I guarantee you will not wake up just good at it. Remember, we need to create distance from the intensity of the feeling so we can make room for acceptance because logical decisions can't be made when we feel threatened. If you feel that tension coming on, engage in the strategies I talked about today. Let your neocortex do its job so you can reclaim food freedom. You do have self-control. You do have willpower. You can have a healthy relationship with treats and you can keep ice cream in your house. You can and should eat the fucking cake. Thanks for listening today, friends. If you're loving what you're learning in this podcast, you will love our amazing community of like-minded women. Hop over to our website to learn more about all the ways to be part of this supportive powerhouse community of ass-kicking mamas at musclebound.mama.com. And don't forget to follow us on social while you're there. Lastly, it would make my day if you could rate, review, and subscribe. It helps more muscle-bound mamas like you find our show. No matter what your goals, we've got you, mama. Mama.